Hello, and welcome to Marysville Church of Christ. This Holy Week, we are presenting a special series of lessons entitled Insurgency, in which we follow Jesus from Jericho to Jerusalem, from Gabbatha to Golgotha, and from the stone pavement to the Rolling Stone. Welcome to Holy Week. Thank you for choosing to do it with us. When we left off yesterday, Jesus Christ had begun a series of assaults against the Jewish religion. Now make no mistake, originally it was Christ himself who ordained and orchestrated the Jewish religion back on Mount Sinai. But what it had become, what it had devolved into, was nothing more than a security blanket that people did a legalistic set of rituals to preserve them from hell. And as we discussed yesterday, for many Christians, this is still a temptation today. Boil the entirety of Christianity down to a series of do's and do nots for protection against hell. That was never the intent of Christ and his coming kingdom and his coming covenant. And so it is our responsibility as Christians today to live in accordance with the relational and people-focused faith walk of Christ. Today we will turn our attention, however, to a conversation that happened soon after. The Pharisees, a group of Jews who were particularly legalistic, decided that they were going to try to trap Christ during his dialogues in the temple. And so the Pharisees came up to him, and they asked Jesus a question. Who do you think deserves the money that they're given? Should we pay the taxes to Caesar or not? Now on the surface, this question may not seem too dangerous, too difficult. But we have to understand Jewish culture and the role of politics at the time of Christ. See, these Pharisees had escaped many punishments by their ability to maneuver and dance around religious ideals that may confront the political system of Rome. In short, they assimilated Judaism with Roman national politics. By asking this question, they were trying to identify what kind of Jew Christ was. Was he the rightfully patriotic and nationalistic Jew who would obey Rome and God? Or was he crazy like those zealots who want to use military uh, force to create an anarchical society focused around the laws of Judaism? What Jesus said, however, was neither. Jesus did not engage in the nationalistic political religion, and ideology of the Pharisees. Nor did he claim military violence to overthrow a national power. His answer was very simple, but very dangerous. Give to Caesar what's his, and God what's left. Wait. No, he didn't. He didn't say, give to Caesar what Caesar asks, and whatever you have left over, give to God. No, what he said was, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and God what is God's. 
To unpack this sentence, this is a direct condemnation, an attack against the Pharisee way of life. See, the Pharisees for so long had put the agenda of Rome, their political ideologies, above that of God. At the time of the Pharisees, the giving and tithing that the old law required had been halved or quartered, or quartered in some areas because the Roman taxation was too much. They began to prioritize what they had to do to stay in good standing with Rome rather than what they had to do to obey the law. They were giving to Caesar what was Caesar's, and whatever they had left over they gave to God. What this indicated was that the religious system had fallen into bed with the political system. Nationalistic ideals became Jewish expectations. Staying on the good side of Rome became equivalent with staying on the good side of God. Nationalism and religion morphed into one heretical monster that Christ confronted. Tomorrow we're going to spend a little bit more time on this idea of politics, not Republican or Democrat, but rather national versus Christian. And we're going to explore the ways that Jesus pushed back against the idea of power and changed forever, or at least should have, in our mind what it looks like to be great and mighty, not elevated but humbled, not rich but poor in spirit. But today I would like us to consider this statement, this simple, it's seven verses in Matthew, how it radically changes and changed the world. From this point on, his apostles often found themselves at odds with the state. They were persecuted. Many of them, almost all of them, were killed, executed by the government. And though none of them raised an arm in defense, nor did any of them stage a rebellion, they all stood in subversion to the kingdom of Rome, the kingdom of this world. This idea of give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but God what's God's became the motto for dividing the kingdom of the earth and the kingdom of heaven. And it became very clear that if the government demands taxes, give them taxes, but give them nothing else. Give the rest to God. Give everything to God. Have God's agendas be first. Probably the greatest example of this convergence of allegiance comes from Caiaphas, the high priest. See, Caiaphas and his father-in-law both had power because of their political affiliations. They were a farce to what the, the high priesthood was supposed to be. And yet Caiaphas, Caiaphas, perhaps unintentionally, perhaps culturally, whatever, lost complete track of what his religion demanded of him. Lest we forget that it was his voice among the rest of the Jews who cried out on that fateful day during Jesus' trial, We have no king but Caesar. Caiaphas had lost his way. His religion became nothing more than an expression 
of political ideology. And Christ could not stand it. So many different teachings over the last couple of days of Jesus' life revolved around this idea. This one, paying taxes to Caesar, is probably the most obvious, seconded only by John 18, where Jesus, before Pilate, makes the declaration, I have no kingdom of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. Jesus is trying to indicate to his followers in this triumphal entry that his invasion is not a political one. His insurgency is not for political reform, but it's for a new kingdom with new ideals, new forms of passion, new forms of power, and new prominence. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar, Jesus? Sure. But give God the things that are God's. I want us to consider for a moment what it would be like if we sat there and listened to that statement. Give to God what is God's. According to a recent study, 95% of the dollars we make, we spend on ourselves. That excludes taxes. 95% of what you make, you spend on yourself. And I spend on myself. In this way, we are continually falling victim to what Caiaphas and his brothers did. We make sure to give to the government what the government demands. But the rest goes to us. Christ says it goes to God. We live in such a way that, that we prioritize our government over ourselves and over our church, over the kingdom of God, in dangerous ways. To many of us, we fall victim to the same thing Caiaphas did, allowing our Christianity to be simply an extension of our political ideologies. We begin to, in the midst of churches, and in the midst of Bible discussions, negotiate which economic policies are most Christ-like. What foreign policies are, are more kingdom of God-esque? And in so doing, we're blurring the lines between two very distinct kingdoms, one that we own our allegiance to, and one that we simply live in. If we're not careful, we, like the Jews of Jesus' time, begin to blur the lines between our nation and our kingdom. Sometimes, perhaps most dangerously, we make them the same. Jesus' triumphal entry, his invasion, his insurgency, was not to guide people to Rome, but to subvert people from Rome to change them and transform them. An insurgency is simply a rebellion, and that's exactly what Christ was starting. Not a political one, fighting for new changes or political ideologies, but rather one that disregarded the political system altogether. Disregarded the allegiance that one was supposed to have to the kingdoms of this earth and gave them a new kingdom to identify with. And Caiaphas couldn't stand it. The Jews couldn't stand it. Pharisees couldn't stand it. Can we? Can we stand it? Are we going to be the Christians that take the stand to say, I have allegiance to no nation except the kingdom of God? Or will we continue to allow our Christianity to be a sieve by which we 
poor our political ideologies. Can we take a second and consider what would have been going on in the mind of God during Caiaphas and the Jews' declaration that they have no king but Caesar? The greatest command in the entirety of the Old Testament is what's known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, above which there is no law. That is the entirety of the Jewish religion summed up in one sentence. The entirety of what it is to be a Jew. And in one fell moment, in one uh, fateful moment, Caiaphas lost in the balance between kingdom of earth and kingdom of God, overwhelmed by political ideologies, makes the exclamation that they have no king except for Caesar. God, after thousands of years of leading Israel, protecting Israel, fighting for Israel, moments before he would die for Israel, what he hears is that they have no king except Rome. If we were in the crowd, what would we say? By the example of our life, what are we saying? We have no king but America. We have no king but Trump. We have no king but Caesar. Or are we proudly standing and saying, my heart My devotion, my allegiance is entirely and utterly to the King of Kings, the King Jesus. This triumphal entry, this invasion against the religious infrastructure, this political undoing that Christ caused was radical, it was dangerous, it was hard. We have to make sure as Christians that if we're going to follow In Jesus' footsteps from Jericho to Jerusalem, from Gabbatha to Golgotha, and from the stone pavement to the Rolling Stone, we have to be willing. We have to be willing to sacrifice everything for him. Being willing to differentiate our religion and our politics. Making sure that we identify who we are, who we give our allegiance to, And who we think really owns us. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. But God what's God's. This Holy Week, consider and ask yourself right now, who do you belong to? Who do you give your allegiance to?